0: Welcome to Talk Is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. Today we have the inside story of Pineapple Pete, courtesy of Sug D. Sugar Dunkerton is here. You hear the story of how he ended up at AEW and uh, in the ring with La Champion. He'll also hear the story of his wrestling career. He's a 16-year vet he's been working the indie scene in England and here in the states for many years. He was actually able to come to Atlanta for the AEW show tapings just before everything got locked down because of the coronavirus. He couldn't travel to England, so that ended up to being a little bit of a silver lining. So Shug D, a.k.a. Pineapple Pete, is telling his Cinderella story. And thanks to all of you who joined me for the shoot uh, on the Stadium Stampede on the Saturday Night Special, shooting on the Stadium Stampede. We had a great time, as always, almost uh, 150,000 of you checked that out, which I really appreciate. And I'm looking forward to doing it again this Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, on Facebook Live and my official YouTube channel. Just search Chris Jericho, and you'll find me and the show. I'll have more stories uh, answering more questions live. And if you got those requests for sing along, bring those as well. Starts at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live or the official YouTube channel of Chris Jericho. All right. Uh, we got to get to Sug D, Pineapple Pete, AEW Dynamite, telling his story starting now. So, one of the uh, cool things about, about the COVID era, the pandemic era, there's been a lot of highlights for AEW stadium stampede and kind of uh, all the different things we've done but one of kind of the uh, uh stars un- a breakout stars in a lot of ways but also one that you wouldn't expect unexpected of course is the rise of the illustrious pineapple pete aka sugar dunkerton which is funny because had this covid thing not happened we wouldn't be sitting here today uh how do you feel about the last few weeks month however it's been Bro, this is the strangest collection of <laughs>
1: times and places and faces that uh, I've ever been in, and it's 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 just weird. Like it's it's very weird to be here or whatnot. Like um, you, you know you have a picture in your head and how this this stuff is supposed to look, and this is nothing like it. I was thinking Da Vinci, and this is all some Degas type stuff going on right now. So yeah, here I am in the uh, the swank locker room of Le Champion. How are you?
0: Well, dude, so, so let's go back to how this kind of all came about. Sure. So you are living in Atlanta or uh, in the Georgia area?
1: Yes, uh, Augusta, Georgia, the home of the Masters. Okay,
0: great. Golf. Golf. So how did you come to be that, that you got asked to kind of make the tape? Because what happened was, for people that don't know, is that we had been taping in Jacksonville. Florida kind of shut down. They came in last-minute decision. We're shutting down, like, right. tomorrow night or whatever. And then we went to Atlanta. They were shutting down. So we had to film, like, 25 matches in a day. And that's kind of where the whole Jericho-Pineapple Pete rivalry started. So go back a couple days. How did you end up in Atlanta for that shoot?
1: So um, my official debut was in Florida, um, and this was immediately after WrestleMania just went to crap, like WrestleMania weekend. So a lot of really good indie wrestlers lost everything in terms of bookings, you know, so everything just kind of fell apart.
0: So you were supposed to come to Tampa and do the eight shows a week or whatever it is. I
1: had seven lined up myself and, um, you know, you're watching Twitter and it's just, uh, it's, it's that kill bill scene where he's like, what day were you working? And it's like, like Wednesday. No, you're not. And no, you're not. And they just, they're just Xing off and canceling. And around the time that I saw high spots and GCW and a few of those places start to fall off. It's like, okay, these are the heavy, these are the heavy hitters. It's like, I I don't have much hope, you know, left in what's going on. And then sure enough, things were not only canceled for that weekend, but also further and further on. Um, my intentions were actually after mania weekend to go back to England for a few months if everything wasn't going on. You know, I've been on and off for the past two years living there. And I was like, OK, well, that's out, too. So it's like I'm effectively not working. And I've been steady doing this for about two years without you know, any other kind of supplemental income. So I was like, okay, this is going to get weird. It's going to be a lot of tuna and uh, ramen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to count on that. And uh, I get hit up from talent relations, uh, if it's okay to say, like, QT he helps with that. So I get hit up with him, and he's like, hey, uh, Jacksonville, can you do it? And this is literally those situations where people cut promos about all the time, where they're like, you know, the, um, you know I, I give my life for this, man. It's like, like life or death, this is what I do, you know, and you hear that so many times as a cliche in a promo, but it's like, yo, this is real life or death, like, you can go down there, breathe the wrong thing, you're done, but um, I want this too much, I've come this far, why not go a little further, so it's like, I got nothing going on, sure, I'll go, go to Jacksonville, me and Kip Sabian, we know each other from um, the England days as far as it goes, Holt wrestling, all that good stuff, so we go and we have a fun one, and you know, I've been in wrestling long enough where it's like, okay, that was what it was. If they call you, they call you. If they don't, don't move on. I get a call for Atlanta. The, the circumstances around that call though, um, God, QT, forgive me. QT texts me at three in the morning while I'm asleep at like one in the morning, right? So that's that's like that's like booty call hours. That's like WYD text hours. Like, 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 hey girl, what you doing? So I'm asleep. And if it weren't for the fact that I woke up at around, like, 6 a.m., just for whatever reason, and I always check my phone just in case because things happen, I went and I checked my phone, and it's QT talking about, hey, can you show up to the school at 11? And I'm like, oh, crap. And all I could text him is, do you mean 11 tomorrow or 11 today? Because he texted it way, so, you know, it's not the next day for me until I go to sleep. So it is what it is. So... I want to go back to sleep, but I'm like, no, let me just put my bag together because if worse comes to worse, and he says, yes, it is today, I got to get in the car and I got to go. And sure enough, an hour, he's like, today. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Jump in the car, we're in Atlanta. Yes, the marathon taping, which well, let was- let me just, just, yeah. let
0: me just interject you. And this is the, what I'm saying is that, so we did Atlanta live on Wednesday. Yeah. And I was also at home because I had just done the vignette for the, the release the Hounds- where the drone came and I was at my house. Right. And the plan was for me the next week was to, to was to come do commentary, just to, for something to do, kind of a placeholder. So I called Tony at like 10 o'clock after Dynamite ended and said they're shutting Atlanta down. What are you going to do? And he said, I have to do six weeks of TV tomorrow. I said, okay, well, I'll be there. He's like, really? Like, of course I'm going to be there. So that's why you got a text at 3 a.m. Because we didn't know until 10, 30, or 11 that we were doing the taping the next day. Right. It was the last chance that we had. So right. There you go. That's why you had to be but, there by 11.
1: Perfect. Perfect. I love this. This is Tarantino-esque. Now you're starting yeah, to right. see all the perspectives. So, nah, like it It was it, it tripped me out, man. Because I was like, you know, I, you never envisioned getting the 3 a.m. text about that. Right. But it's like you know, I don't care. Like how I,
0: business works, right?
1: I'm not I'm not here to trip about circumstances. I'm here to get the job done. Like I wanna, I want this. So you you chase it, you figure it out. So I get there, and um, this is what I've been saving for. So all the podcasts that have been asking me about the origins and all this other stuff like that, I said I was gonna wait till it was on something that everybody could hear about. Right. right. So here we are. Okay. The origin of pineapple Pete. Pineapple Pete. Was a fashion choice by chance that you happened to pick up on. When I showed up, I had wore a button-up the first time in Jacksonville, and it was a floral button-up, you know. I can't do denim because Orange Cassidy. There is also this cool flowery robe thing I wear, but Hikaru Shida could beat the shit out of that robe. So it's like, whatever, we're not doing that. So we'll do the button-ups. So I show up, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm flashy. I like to stand out a little bit. So I'll bring this lemon shirt, but let me bring this pineapple shirt that I've got too, you know. And these are old shirts. Like, I'm, this shirt's four or five years old, you know? Like, I'd I've, have worn them to parties and done all sorts of weird stuff and whatnot. So I show up, and the only reason I chose the pineapple shirt, it was going to be the lemon shirt. But the only reason I chose the pineapple shirt was because it matched my gear that day. So I was like, okay, let's just run it. We'll put it on. It, it'll be something fun. We'll put it on. <laughs> so get out in the crowd, right? Show's moving. We having a good time, acting a fool. And during breaks, people keep rolling up to me, and they're like, pineapple Pete! And pineapple peep this and pineapple peep that so i'm doing the huh yeah like oh cool all right yeah that's funny man <laughs> hey, you, yeah <laughs> like you know and, and but but i'm not understanding what's going on it's like I, i'm missing something so somebody finally rolls up to me and it's like they have commentary on the monitor in the back oh, okay right so it's like we can hear it even though you can't because you're out there but it's like but yo jericho is like on you and i'm like the first time I heard it, my heart stopped because I was like, Oh my God. Like like on me, like he's he's burying me. And it's like, um, cause, you know, unfortunately on the indies you get people who try to be stand-up comedians and not actually put over the match. Right. So um sometimes it just completely deflates. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. Grand opening, grand closing. But it's like, no, 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 no. You just you just have to hear it. You have to see it. So when we go to lunch, that's when you come busting out. And you're like, Pineapple P. He's like, What's your name, kid? And I'm like, uh, Shug. And I'm like, hey, he's like, hey, man. He's like, listen, like, it really, it really messed with me that day because I wasn't expecting to, like, run into you the way we ran into each other. But he was like, look, he's like, I, I hope you're, I hope you wrestling can back up all this stuff that I'm talking about you right now. He's like, because I'd hate to be wasting all this good material, he's like, on oh, somebody that
0: can't work. So, okay, no pressure. <laughs> Well, let me just squeak in too. So, so there's the thing. Like, like you just said, we had 26 matches that we taped. Yeah. And you were in the crowd uh, with a bunch of the people as, as the fans that we've been utilizing. Right. And so you're in there and seeing stuff and then you, you're getting involved and I see this guy jumping up and down with a pineapple shirt. So fat, flashback to WCW when we used to film worldwide tapings in Orlando. Uh, we would go there for two weeks and we'd film you know three shows a day and you'd have all the gypsies tramps and thieves of the business there and we used to stay at this uh some kind of um it was like there was suites but they all had outdoor doors like it wasn't encapsulated it was like more of a motel right. but in this motel there was the bar that we all hung out at which was called pineapple peats so pineapple Pete's was kind of the epicenter for all of our debauchery and good times For years, because we always stayed at the same place. It was the boom boom room, basically. Basically. So (laughs) as soon as I saw the pineapple, I'm like, Pineapple Pete. And I just love saying Pineapple Pete because it conjures up good ideas. So whenever I saw you, I would just say, Pineapple Pete, I hate that guy. And the only reason why I was saying this is because I was like, I used to love Pineapple Pete. So it was just fun for me to say it and keep myself entertained in the middle of of commentating 26 matches. That's all it was. So that's where it came from, and that's where I started doing it. Right. So, like,
1: but I wasn't expecting it to take off the way that it took off, because, like, you know, we get through the taping, and I, I, of course, I take it as a compliment, because you came through, you let me know that day, and everything, like, super, super nice, super gracious, and um, I was like, oh, okay, well, cool, this is fun. So I remember just taking a picture when the tapings were over, and I just posted it as kind of like a an an omen. Like by the time I was like, by the time Dynamite airs y'all will understand this photo and it was me putting the putting the shirt over right mm-hmm. so then the first episode airs of that commentary and then my twitter is like going crazy <laughs> like like i was like what the hell's going on like I'm, I'm not used to this it's like did i say something did i mess up it's like am i getting canceled i don't know what's going on and um i'm going through and it's just hashtag pineapple peat hashtag pineapple peat this that that gifts and videos are starting to pop up and i'm like jesus christ it's like i know i'm trying to get seen but it's like i was not expecting it like this and i I got people calling me and people on there it's like dude you're like all over the camera jericho's saying this and he's saying that about you and whatnot and uh you know i just couldn't put two and two together of everything that was going on and you know it was so silly i thought it was going to be like a passing thing you just said it and it would just it would just go away or they'd be like oh okay but people really latched on to it and they really liked it and I sat down with my best friend, um, shout out Dante Robertson, and I talked to my circle, uh, Timmy Lou Retton and Darius Lockhart. They're two supremely, supremely talented independent wrestlers and I, I miss them. Like, uh, can't wait to see them again when this is all over. But um, we just got to talking as we do in the group chat and it was just like, dude, this Pineapple pee thing on some different stuff right now. And like, it's tripping me out. And it's like, this thing is trending. It's like, this is really bad. This is trending now. Like, this thing is like, 13, 12, and then it just kept happening. So, they started thinking, dude, have you thought about, like, leaning into it and not trying to fight it? And I remember when I started my career, I did a Harlem Globetrotter gimmick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: where the Sugar Dunkerton thing comes from, from the movie Semi-Pro. So, at that time, my trainer was like, you know, because I was growing out my hair, and some of the best things in my career happened by accident, because, like, I just couldn't afford to get haircuts. So, like, you know, afro. So... (laughs) He rose up on me and he's like, um, he's like, man, he said, you just need to tighten up that mic cap on the top of your head. Murder One, shout out to him. He's like, uh, you need to tighten up that mic cap on your head, man. Get you some old ABA shorts. And man, you could be out here acting like a Harlem Globetrotter or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you're going to completely tank my career. That's terrible. What, how is that even going to get over? And then I thought about it and I was like, I don't have much of a career anyway, so screw it. Let's try it. Yeah. And that got me through. So I just started thinking about this today, and it was like, look, you have no prospects. If they don't want to bring you back, because literally that's where I'm at right now. I'm going show to show. So it's like if they don't have a reason to bring you back or if it's not over, if they don't see that there's some potential possibly there, you're back at the house, and there is no option. Mm -hmm. There is no indie to run to. There is no, okay, well, I'll just go do this company or do that company. Like The reality for it as an independent wrestler is if you're not on TV right now, You ain't working. Mm -hmm. And we don't know when we're going to be working on an independent level. So that's a new kind of pressure. So I got to go for mine. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's lean into it. And um, so far, so good. Like, uh, it's even got so crazy that uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, Ryan Barkin, he hit me up the next day. And he was like, listen, I got somebody in-house that could do a design. I just need your okay. We'll send it. Like, we'll do the usual split like we usually do. Do I have your permission? Cool. Three hours later, pineapple peach shirt on sale, and it's like Jesus Christ, and it's like okay, and and it's selling.
0: The one week it was in the top ten bestsellers. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So see, and that and that's the thing for, for what I was doing as the commentator as well, and also knowing that okay, we've got a lot, of, excuse me, a lot of uh, sure know, not enhancement matches, but we've got enhancement. Matches, let's use that term. So get over matches, right? So if you have that many matches against people that, that the fans don't really know, we have to give them identities right away. So that's what I was kind of doing. So the pineapple thing, Pete thing was great because then it's like okay, so now at least you have something people attach themselves to, and that's why when we, we finally had our match, I made very sure to say it's Jericho versus Sugar Dunkerton, aka Pineapple Pete, and also that's why we did the promo where you're like, you know, okay, you want to call me Pineapple Pete? Well, and then you took it to the next level. Last spin sweet, like whatever it takes in wrestling to get over and right. get people to recognize you—that's all that matters, and that it worked because people wanted to see that match, right?
1: You know? And you know, it's it's a bit of a humbling moment too. Like, not that I haven't had my share, it's like, you know, for better or for worse, sixteen years. It's like you're gonna get some moments where some stuff didn't exactly like it didn't right. exactly take off, you know. And right. I don't I don't mind admitting that I still love it, you know, nothing changes. But like um it was a humbling moment because um, you know, I, I have this conversation with a lot of uh kids that I teach and just in general, it's like you gotta understand, you know, there's a difference between indie and mainstream, whether it's music, acting, whatever. Same thing with wrestling. And like, this is my first real taste of like, you know, I've I've done I've done impact, you know, as far as it goes, like two matches with them. And, you know, I've done the extra work with, you know, other companies. But it's like this is the first time that I was actually like, OK, we're going to. Try something with you. We're going to put it on TV. We're going to feature it. We're going to do this. We're going to package it. Here's the hero shots. Here's this. This is an actual mini feud you get to do. And the biggest thing that I try to tell people about this experience now is you have to think about your brand on an independent level and a mainstream level. Does it work both ways? Because there's some acts that could go to like that 400 seater. And then there's some acts that could go to a 17,000 whatever. Right. And both of them will get over But there's some when I'm looking at what's going on, like what I was doing before, like not that it didn't have a share of success. Like it kept me it kept me in the UK and around Europe for a good little bit and going around. But like once you start seeing how different it works and the kind of people that come at you and the messages that you get and the new types of followers and who you're rubbing shoulders with, suddenly it's like, okay, I thought I was over. I thought I was over on an independent level, but on a mainstream level, nah. Like, like you, this weren't even it. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be more people that know Pineapple Pete than they know Sug D. And that's just being real with your brand. That's being real.
0: But is that is that so bad though?
1: It's not even bad. It's this is the challenge, right? Right. So the challenge now is okay, it'd be different if I was in a situation where it's like pre-COVID.
0: Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like You'd okay. you're working every weekend right now. Right. It's like huge merch sales. And yeah,
1: it's like, hey, as seen on AEW, you know, it's great. We don't have anything for you, but hey, you got the TV shine time, yada, yada. I'd be running around indies doing what I could do and then trying to cultivate the character. But it's back to what my original thought process is. And it's like, you know, I'm here. I want to do this. I want to do whatever it takes so that people know this guy's got something special. He's got something different he's grinded for it all he needed is an opportunity and even if you give him a sliver just a little tiny tiny bite-sized right. bit
0: you can run with it and, and that was my thing with uh with kind of doing like the match is what it is that, that's fine But sure. to me the difference was the one minute promo package the one minute promo of, of Shug Duncan and pineapple pete like that was really good and <laughs> that's and that's worth more than yeah this is just my opinion we could have went and had a three-minute match and you get the proverbial one two point nine kick out and boom People will forget it the next day, but that that promo on air, which is prime real estate to get promo time. There's right. people in this show that haven't had a minute promo time, and however it worked, whether it was your idea with the pineapple or theirs, the pie, it's sweet, and a little dance party, like right. that's memorable. You could put that on. I don't even know if guys do highlight tapes anymore, but you could send that to any promoter in the world, right. and be like, "This guy can talk." And he he embraced this this gimmick for for just by chance that happened. Right. That's how you get over and you know, stay in the business. I I think.
1: Right. And like at the, at the end of the day, it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. I could do all that and everything to that effect. But the way I'm looking for it, it's always long game. Right. It's like of course. I was big picture. Right. I was, I felt lucky to even get the match that I got at dark with Kip. Right. I was like, okay, feel really lucky that I'm even coming back to Atlanta. And then this is going on. And like, you know, for for those of you who um, are not aware, you know, you could always ke- check his uh, cage match profile if you want to. But Chris Jericho hasn't wrestled an independent guy for a very, 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 very long time. So, like that was like a, even a minute and a half in your time was like more than what's going on. But I've said it before, and I don't know if you noticed it. I don't know if you noticed it. And you know, you got a lot of stuff coming your way. I don't want to be an Al Bundy. I don't want to be
0: yeah. Christian
1: Bale's role from The Fighter, where all he's doing is he's talking about the Sugar Ray fight. Mm-hmm. What I mean, if I'm expounding on that for those who don't know, is like you meet guys all the time, and it's like, and you've seen it, and if you wrestle, you've seen it in those locker rooms where it's like, yeah, brother, I worked Flair, yeah, 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 he said I was the best bumper he <laughs> ever had, and all this other stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But it's like. You're literally hanging your hat forever on that same story, that same moment, that same thing that you did. And um, it's like I'm looking at what's going on, and there's, you know, again, a lot of pressure. I'm here, and there's some days where it's like, yeah, the crowd is all I do. And then there's other days where I'm holding out hope that, okay, maybe there's that next thing. Maybe there's that next story. There's maybe that next thing. Or there's the very real possibility that, like, hey, kid, we got nothing for you. Mm -hmm. You're at home. But, um, I'd like to believe in the midst of everything that's going on, everything that's happening right now, there's proof that there's hope that remains. I'm I'm looking around at like a lot of talented independent talent and for some reason, some chance in God, I'm the one that still gets to do
0: something along with a select few. Mm-hmm. So, I can't waste this. No, and that's the thing. I wouldn't say that this is kind of like the peak But to me, like you said, and I want to talk about your your UK experiences, and I know you're in Japan as well, which I heard from another friend of mine that was over there with you. Now you have even more to build your brand. Right. You know, because Sugar Dunkerton, yeah, you went to England and then you came back. But during the meantime, you had this thing with Chris Jericho and, and you had TV time worldwide with a promo. So now to me, you can add to that when you go back to England, for example, or wherever you work, it's like sugar Duncanton but you were in the ring with Chris Jericho and you right. have, you know, one of the top selling shirts of pro wrestling tees for a week. Like <laughs> all that stuff happens for a reason. Now you, you're not going to rest on it only, but it's something you can use to build, right. you know? And like I said, like, if this was WWE in the '80s, you'd be you'd be SD Jones, Pineapple Pete, fricking you know uh, all those guys that, that that were kind of like a Brian Horowitz or Barry Horowitz, Silent Brian McNeil. Yeah, they
1: made good checks, you man. Know, they were around it. for a minute.
0: That's it, man. That's it. So let's talk a little about your time in England. So you mentioned that you lived there for a bit. How did you first go over there? And you went over there, to Sugar Dunkerton,
1: right? So um, you know, I balanced different jobs for a long time as far as it goes. I worked for um, a cell phone company actually as like an assistant manager for like a very long time. And one day I just decided, you know, and I've been doing the back and forth. I would do those numbers where it's like, you know, you got a 10 hour drive to Chicago. You do the match. You come back, yeah, straight it, straight. like straight back to a shift at work. So you up on your feet for another eight hours, All right. All right. making choices, making decisions, leading people. Then you can go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but um, after a while, I just got to thinking about things and... Um, it was like if you really want to try to make a go at this, if you really want to try to try to perfect your craft to try to do something in this business, like to get something long standing, even if it's just one of those cases where you're a top indie act, you got to at least give it a go. You got to try to you saved your money. Let's try it. Let's try to go full time. If there was any time, there was the time. So I did it. There were some places in America where it wasn't coming together the way I wanted to as far as bookings, you know. So um, I was like, okay, well, Europe, UK, really cool market right now. Let's, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. So I messaged around and sent some feelers out. And um, fortunately, like places like Tidal, uh, Preston Championship Wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, started hitting me back. And they were like, okay. And I started piecing dates together. Um, when I first messaged people, there was a lot of no's. And I was fortunate that there was like four or five yeses. And um, I had to go over there. And in that two and a half month span, like I really had to put foot to ass while I was over there to show that like, hey, I'm worth bringing back. And then I did that two and a half months. And then two and a half months turned to
0: three and a half months the next time. With, so it's two and a half months straight. In, yeah, and absolutely. whereabouts are you going when you're over there?
1: So um, the first time it was just all anywhere I could go in England. So Manchester, Preston um bristol things of that but place did you have
0: somebody booking you or did you
1: just get put, i of put i piece it together myself here i am guys yeah yeah i gotta i gotta make it move you know so i pieced everything together myself had that going on and then through the help of like Stephen flutter through pcw the second time um i stayed with him that second tour i did three and a half months out there and then all sorts of new places opened up to me that was the the rev pros that was the chaos wrestlers etc etc and then um it was going so well, it was to the point where I was making enough money where I could get my own place out there. So I chose to live in Leeds. Mm. Um, that's why I represent Leeds whenever I come gotcha. out. They, I'm like an adopted kid from there. And I love the place. It's, uh, I, I'm a bit of an artiste and it's an artist city. Like, um, I don't know, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of color and there's a lot of fight in that city. So it's like, yeah, like I could dig this. I, I like this. So um, I stuck it out for five months next tour i did another three and then i came back again for four so in total it was like close to almost two years and then i was set to come back for a little while leave again around many a week but then things happen you know what i'm saying like the COVID happened Then they started putting the travel ban on and all that other stuff like that. So it's like, well, damn. And then I'm hearing about a lot of my friends over there too. And it's like, you know, they're stuck in the house. Once I started seeing that you can't just run to another country to go do some other stuff either because everybody's getting affected by this. Mm -hmm. You know, it sucked, but it helped me find out who I was as a performer. Um, It helped me get in better shape at the time. I really got to uh, reaffirm my love for like what I really love about wrestling because I was a big character on the American Indies, but, like, I I don't claim to act like I was, like, a superior wrestler in ring. But um, I'm a huge fan of World of Sport. Like, the characters, like, you know, Les Kelly, Steve Gray, Johnny Saint, you know, all that good stuff. And um, I got the chance to actually be able to study and learn in that style. So it was like, yes, you know, like, this is what I needed. And it started making more sense to me. And I think it really started to click because I had two matches with Doug Williams over there. The biggest honor and one of my like it's gotta be up there for like, it's probably the number one match of my time over there, was being able to work Doug Williams, Blackpool Tower. So that's Johnny Saint Central, you know what I'm saying? Yep. A thousand people, PCW. And um, you know, I'm meeting Doug for the first time. Hell of a gentleman. We're sitting down, we're talking about the match, and he could tell, he tell he can tell, like, yo, he really watches this stuff. Like he he knows his stuff and everything. And he was a gentleman enough to, I would do the sequences, but I didn't always understand the why. And he was the guy that broke it down like, you do this and you go to this hole because it throws your opponent off to this and you do this, it's chess, it's chess. And um, World of Sport was all about the, the exhibition of one-upsmanship a lot of the times. And between the match that I had with him there, and then we had another one for the Knights um, over in, um, we had over in uh, WAW, um, Norwich. And uh, we had a chance to do that again for, Doug had like 5 million retirement matches. So I was his Norwich re- retirement match, you know what I'm saying? So we did that one, and um, God, like, just a class act. I think he's the man.
0: So what's the difference between, uh, and I know this for for people Please. who don't, uh, difference between uh, English style and, and American style?
1: Right. So American style, uh, of course, real glitzy, real loud et cetera, etc. You know, and we love it. Like everybody grew up on it. You know, over there, that's what they were watching too. But the the beauty of the the British style of wrestling, it's holes, counter holes, catch, um, one-upsmanship. They do flashy stuff too, but it but the reason why world of sport was so popular and why some some spots translate, you know, over here, but then other ones have to be they have to be reworked a little bit because it was very competition-based wrestling. You know, it was rounds etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was always about okay well you got a hole well i got a better hole you got a counter i got a counter you this and that um no purposely closed fist to the face things For of the that true definition
0: of chain wrestling right,
1: yeah, right. and um I, I absolutely fell in love with that style because you know you're looking at baby faces who are really out there like okay i'm gonna out wrestle this fuck you know what i'm saying when they're getting ready to do it and then you've got heels where it meant that much more when that forearm got stuck in or when they would go ahead and they would punch because they were so good about establishing what the rules were and how to win so that when they broke them, oh man, it was like like this dude was schooling you real quick. And um, you know, obviously if you're watching Colt Cabana, it's a love letter to Les Kellett in everything that he does.
0: Wow, interesting. Right. Great point. Yes. So you stayed there for the better part of two years. Yes. Are you waiting to go back as soon as you can? Is there opportunity there for you? <laughs> oh, like, so,
1: yeah, it's back to what's going on. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen for me or not happen for me. Um, the best case scenario, like, if we were talking about, and I'm just being honest, best case scenario is I figure something out, I find a way to really punch it in and be like, hey, we want to keep you around and we want to figure it out. But, again, this is the business. Things are going on. It's rapidly changing, et cetera, et cetera. I can't count on that. I have to to be ready for whatever's happening. Not to get, like, philosophical or anything like that, but, um, like, I believe in God, but I'm a big believer in uh, Chinese philosophy, Taoism. And um, the Tao Te Ching, that's like Lao Tzu. He talks about, like, just being like water a lot of times like um go with the flow absolutely it's like well water can be anything it could be gaseous it could be frozen it could be flowing like what you're talking about so you you have to be adaptable no matter what's going on or no matter how bad it is so it's like okay you don't have any matches going on or whatever it is what are we going to do to figure it out so i'm fortunate that they brought me in to be able to do all of this that i'm doing right now But i was still figuring it out, still finding other ways to be be able to make things happen and to figure it out. That's the independent spirit. Mm -hmm. You have to hustle. At the same time, it's just one of those cases where I don't really know. Um, One of the things that I always talk about right now, especially with the independent circuit, is, okay, they could open everything back up today. But you still have attendance limits. You still have to win the faith of the public back to want to go out and do what they're doing. So... We're in a situation where I don't know if the Indies even get back
0: to normal until like early next year. Right, it's hard to say. Right. So, you know, and that's what I was seeing yeah. from, from from a wrestling standpoint, g- going with the flow, which is what I've done for thirty years. Absolutely, adapt. And that's why the the idea for us to work for you and I to work even came was because I have throwing up pineapple peat. I hate this guy. Look at this guy. You know, you think at one point you were held somebody. You're like this guy's about. And so by doing this, people are now saying, "Oh, Jericho versus Sugar Sugar D." You you? And so then. I remember even Cody texts me at one point. He goes, hey, if, if we were doing live shows every week, you know, Jericho attacks Sugar D, Cody makes a save, and it's you know, Sammy and Chris versus Sug and Cody. And that's why I was like, you know, we could probably do something with this. What and we were, we were looking for something <laughs> to do that one week. And I had the idea of trying to attack Vanguard 1, and I kind of had, I need something in the middle. I was like, I could do something with Pineapple Pete which leads to the vanguard one thing. And this all happened because the fans and because what we did in social media, and that's why it happened. So once again, so many shitty things have happened because of COVID for all of us, but that was one kind of cool, bright spot. But I guess my question to you is this, when you're talking about the independent scene, because there's a lot of rock and roll bands that said like, we gotta disband, we can't do it anymore. Kind of the indie bands, like you mentioned, a lot of similarities, indie indie music, indie wrestling, indie uh, movies. So, do you think that the independent scene will come back? Will people start going out to see the shows again? And can the guys like yourself afford to wait? Indie, indie will never die.
1: Right, it's going to exist in one way or form. Because It was so hot another. right before this. Right, absolutely. Right, yeah. Like, like it, there was the funny part is we always joke about the fact that there was like an indie middle class. Right, and I feel like I was I was in that. It's like. We may not necessarily be headlining every indie card that we're on, but we're making enough good money. We're doing enough merch. We're traveling. You can live off of it. There he goes. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I'm I'm still living here, then I had a little something going on in England too. So I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. This is this is the life. So um I think the biggest thing that's gonna affect everything, it's it it goes on two things. The first one is again these attendance limits. Cause, you know, they're talking about as they start to open things up, you know, you're at 10%. 50, 75. No promotion, and let's be fair, no promotion, no matter what the level is or whatnot, is trying to spend good money, especially if it's the same money, to rent a building and not be able to sell it out. So that puts a hamper on things. Secondly, you still got to pay the guys. You still got to be fair. You got to do what you got to do and whatnot. And it's like the paydays probably aren't going to be as extravagant as they used to be because, again, public trust. You got to be able to get people into those venues again. You got to be able to pack enough venue to make a profit, hopefully, for yourself and to be able to pay the boys. So that's what I'm saying. Like, logically, they can open up everything that they say they want to. But it's like our industry, whether it be live band, whether it be theater, whether it be wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be hard times for like a good little bit. You know, hard times on Dusty Rose for like a little bit until like... Everything is, is good. I don't know if it means, hey, we got a vaccine, you know, public, again, public trust, all this other good stuff like that. And it's um, it's a scary thing to think about. And it makes you want to swing harder. Like, um, it's that back against the wall thing, you know, because, like, I'm one of the – I'll always be thankful and grateful and humble for that. I'm one of the fortunate few. You know, uh, for some reason – I haven't stopped yet. You know, like this should have been my hard stop and I haven't stopped yet. So as long as I got a chance to keep swinging, I'm going to keep swinging. And I'm fortunate that I got a good base of people around me, whether it be family, friends, uh, guys I used to see in locker rooms that are like, dude, you're doing what we can't do right now. Even if you just acting a fool, even if you just acting a fool and you yelling crazy stuff or whatever it is, you're there. Keep freaking swinging! Something's got to happen.
0: Well, and like I said, and you had a, a, a sixty-second promo, or I was actually, I think, forty-eight seconds. I helped edit it. But uh and TV a, time important. important but... Hey, man! Like I said, look, I, I keep saying this. I'm sure if there was fans here, if there listen, there isn't, but there is some momentum in the fact, like you said. Okay, you're acting a fool, but you have this whole other nugget of of a character. Whereas, if if things open back, like you said, tomorrow or, or six months from now people are going to remember who Pineapple Pete is. If it was just the nondescript should, but you can combine the two right. and suddenly Pineapple Pete's back on track, baby, whatever it is. It almost ended up being, like you said, another swing and a hit that you can now put in your back pocket and use when things are back. Cause TV time is everything, right? Like you said, it's all. And the fact that it wasn't just TV time, but it's something that spawned a shirt and a character and a gimmick. And here's the most important thing when you're in the business, people remember the name. Right. You know what I mean? I and this is no disrespect to anybody. Please. We called 26 matches that day. I can tell you some of our guys that are involved as far as the enhancements. I can see some faces. Don't know any of their names. Maybe one guy's name, but I know Pineapple Pete, and then I that's now I know Sugar Dunkerton. That's why. So that's a positive. It's funny that you mentioned standing out because uh, it
1: reminds me of a old it reminds me of a old story when I did extra work over. Um, are we allowed to say the yeah, other? Okay, over at WWE, yes. I just did not didn't, I didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> it's, it's it's like, doors open, security this takes. This is on. over. This is over. <laughs> Cancelled. It's done. Uh, it's like, like I've ruined. I've ruined all chances. God.
0: I was going to ask you because <laughs> you did extra work for WWE.
1: I did, and um, before I before I get into this story. God, it feels good not to be put in a broom closet. <laughs> like um when you when you do extra work there, I don't know if it's changed or anything like that, but when you do extra work, it's like they throw you off into like whatever or they put you in a little tarpon or whatnot. And this it a broom closet, like
0: a small little room?
1: It's small enough, you know. And it's like um, you know, we'll we'll get you when we need you. You know, and it's it's one of those numbers and it's it's weird trying to start a conversation with anybody. You don't want to look at somebody the wrong way or all this other stuff like that. And it's a strange world there as it is. I, it is, out. you know, and I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like any, once you start climbing up anywhere on the ladder, it, it gets the rules change, and you have to do that. And it's like I'm not gonna lie, I've had my share of anxiety week to week because it's like, you know, I've done a lot of things. I ain't done this before. I I haven't been this deep in before. But that's what's exciting, ain't it? Like you're supposed to that's get hyped what you about, want. That's right? What you you're supposed to get hyped about stuff that you haven't done before, you know? So, um, you, you get scared of messing up, but it's like, look, dude, like it's we're in the we're in the Fury Road right now. So it's like, screw it. Like, do the best you can. Try to follow your instincts.
0: This is what you've been doing. This is what you've been working for for sixteen right. years or five years. Or so.
1: Whatever. But no, like the, the crew's been like super good and that'll lead me to something with you I guess later when we get when we get done like because I definitely gotta ask you a question. But I remember coming to do extra work one time. Um this might segue into two stories. Um at the time William Regal was there mm-hmm. and um God. I, classy gentleman. Like he he's the man, like the Major absolute style man. of
0: wrestling, what you're talking about right. in the world of
1: sport. Um when I did seminars over in UK with Dave Taylor, he's always putting them over too, and like, DT, um, yeah. right? Dave Taylor's the man. He's like, like, dude, like, it's a stand-up show and a wrestling lesson at the same time. It's great. <laughs> so Regal's, you know, in charge of the extras at the time, and um, they needed people for like an EMT bit. And going back to the Al Bundy thing, you should you see your share of wrestlers too, who are like. Like, there I was. I was an EMT. or I was this or whatever it is. And, you know, the photo's all over the place. And it's like, ah, man. And it's like, yeah. You know, like, like, like um, it's, it's the inception line. Like, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. You know, like, you, you can go a little bigger, right? So, but good for now. But um, he's looking at everybody. So he's got everybody lined up. And, you know, he's going down the line and everything. And this is when I got my hair, like, super froed out and whatnot. And uh, he's like, you and you. So it's like the guy... To my left and the guy to my right. And then he kind of looks at me and he gives me like a little tap. And he's like, um, and he's like, you know, in some cases, he's like, it's just, he's like, it's not always the best to stand out. And, you know, I, I nodded and then I, and then I left it at that. But I never took it as like an insult. I know there's some people that are like, damn, I didn't get picked to be an EMT, or I didn't get to do this or whatever it is. But it's like, I, I knew what I showed up for. And I've never been a guy that's like blended that that's not how I do like you know I'm a little loud I'm a little my my style is a little different etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's like good I you know even if you don't think I'm a wrestler by first glance I want you to think I'm something mm-hmm. you know not just like something that you see every day on the street right so uh, like, so I took it as a compliment so I'm like cool so when the when we come around all this time later and this loud ass shirt is the reason why like all this is happening it's like cool like I'm glad I'm glad I didn't I didn't dumb it down.
0: Um, That's one of my mottos that I say: You never know who's watching. Right. And you never know what, like you said, you didn't know Pineapple Pete, what that even meant. I didn't know that you wore this shirt. Like, it's just a coincidence, (laughs) but you wore something to stand out, and it just happened to catch my eye and trigger a good memory from before. You just never. No, man. right. That shirt you never is know. that shirt is a veteran of many Latin nights
1: and many <laughs> reggae nights, and like that's when it got see, over. See, like, I, yeah. I,
0: I think big, too. Now I'm thinking, okay, when, when stuff comes back on and they do the WrestleCon's and stuff, you put on that shirt, you get a picture of you punching me in the corner. You take it to <laughs> WrestleCon. I'm telling you, pictures with Pineapple Pete sell. the Work it, man. You walk out of there with five thousand dollars from wearing a stupid shirt that you worn out a hundred times. It'd be nice. You'd you be never nice. know,
1: man. So. And then to round out, you were talking about my promo. Yes. And I feel like at the end of the day, you have to show two sides to things. Because like, um, like, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a jokester, I'm a bit of a prankster, et cetera, et cetera. You ask around, they'll tell you they 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 hate it, but it is what it is. But that doesn't change the fact that I don't think about things and I try to be very deep in my thoughts when I have time and whatnot. Like even here sometimes I'm just sitting on the arena steps and I'm just kinda to myself unless somebody comes to me because I'm usually very deep in thought. When I went to that WWE trial, that was around the time that they did promos. And they would film your promo. They'd look it over. They'd critique it, et cetera, et cetera. I went, and one of my really, really, really good friends told me that, hey, when you get in that promo room, do not cut a wrestling promo. Be real with them. Tell them what's on your mind, et cetera, et cetera. I got so scared that if i told them who i really was and what i was about and what i stand for that it wasn't going to resonate so i did wrestling promo one-on-one and this and that and a bunch of buzzwords and um it sucked and i knew it sucked and what hurt most was you know you're sitting at that panel of people and one of them does the uh one of them at the time would look at independent talent So he's looking at it and he's like, like, man, I was just expecting more. And it's like, damn, you want to do a redo and you can't. So when I was told, hey, this is about to happen. They're about to give you a promo. You're going to get some footage that's going to show on road two and you're going to get this. I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this again. And again, it's that swinging. So it's like, do you want to be remembered for faking it? Or do you want to just go out there and give them the real? And even if you don't come back again, you know, at least they know what you stood for, what you're about. So I I gave them everything I possibly could, as verbal as humanly possible. And even when we had the match, one of the amazing things about that is, um, you know, even on the indies, you know, the indies are getting known for what's gifable, right? I'm a storytelling kind of guy. I'm a year-long macho and Hulk Hogan build (laughs) where they planted the seed at four to get you to five i'm a um i'm a new japan they purposely made a guy look like he couldn't draw so that when he won the title again and went on his road to redemption i like stories like that so in a minute and 30 seconds and there's a lot of people on the indies and that's how i I know who gets it and who doesn't get it sometimes there are a lot of guys that are on the indies that would have heard a minute and 30 and been like but but that's not enough. Like, I'm I'm supposed to be able to showcase how is anybody going to remember it or whatever it is. But the thing is, it's like, did you make them feel something? Mm-hmm. For a minute and 30 seconds, I feel like anybody who's ever been in a position where they were fighting for their absolute life, for real, in terms of, like, everything that I've worked for is going to crumble if I don't go against this impossible situation. And it'd be easier to run but no, we're going to fight as best as humanly possible. And for like that bit, and I remember because my mom called me about it too, and she was just like, she's like, oh my God, you had him going. You had him going. What happened? But if it left you feeling like that, like what happened? Cool.
0: Let's go into a little bit of the psychology. Yeah. for For Please. people that are listening, even for you. Once again, minute thirty with a one-minute promo beforehand. Right. But here's the thing, and once again, we we talk about this all the time, especially because I'm all of us. We thrive off the live. Had we had that exact same match, same scenario, and there was five thousand people, they knew the story. They would have been They would have been chanting when you hit me the week before <laughs> yeah. in, in the street fight. They would have been chanting your name. So we can't. My psychology of this is. You're kicking the shit out of Le Champion. Whatever whatever I am or not I am, we're painting this portrait of this guy as one of the guys, right. right? So for you to just be kicking and fighting and kicking and fighting and boom, and people, and you got me down, and I hit you with one move, and guess what? It's my best one. Yeah. No one's ever kicked out of I'm not hitting you with a suplex. I'm not hitting you with a f- this or that. I have to hit you with my absolute best move that's beating everybody from Hangman Page to freaking Kenny Omega to... Cody the, Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, the mascot on the field at the stadium match. So to me, it's like we're not wasting time. Right. We're not wasting moves. I disrespected you. You proceeded to kick the shit out of me for, you know, and if, if there was a crowd, we probably could have even gone an extra 30 minutes, or 30 seconds, because you would have heard... <laughs> I'm like, 30 minutes, bro, come on. 30 seconds. <laughs> People, I, I... Pete, 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 Pete. Yes. Boom. Oh, Balloon, pop. Right. And literally, our job is to suspend disbelief and people would think, Pineapple Pete's got him. Right. And it took me one of the, the only move I got that no one's ever picked out. I'm choosing that one. It's not a code breaker. It's not a lion tamer. It's not a, moon, a lion salt. It's the Judas. Right.
1: And more people get on this this whole kick of more is more right now. And it's like... The simple, sto- yeah, that's but that's what I'm saying. The simple storytelling goes a long way, and everything like that. It's like you're obviously you're gonna get those people that are like, well, he, well, he chumped you, he chumped you, or whatever it is. It's like Dude,
0: anybody that says that to you have them come speak to me because I'll explain <laughs> to them it was what the you? opposite. You know what this was? You ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, it's when the guy, the big swordsman, takes out his sword and he spins it around. He spins around the sword and he's like, I, I don't have time for this. He's just gonna kick my ass. So I'm just gonna shoot him. Boom, Boom. done. That's what we did that day, and, and and I was really happy with that, with that whole segment because once again we we planted these seeds right. that we didn't even know we planted four weeks prior in Atlanta, and that's it was a little story inside of a big story. But that's what wrestling is, like you said, we're telling stories.
1: Absolutely, and like you know, granted, it's it's like you know I've I've got sixteen years under my belt, and granted, it's not like this is the first like real exposure of something major mm-hmm. that's going on, but like. I'm not doing this consistently and being some of the places that I've been without seeing a few things and soaking up some stuff. And I remember why I got into wrestling in the first place. And it's like, um, dude, like we're in an era more than ever where it's, it's like the athleticism and the amount of craziness that people can do and all that other stuff like that. The bar is getting topped every freaking day. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's easier than ever athletically to have a four or five star match but it's getting harder and harder for people to feel mm-hmm. things especially in an era right now where everything is so i i guess i guess the it's so processed mm-hmm. they they want to attach to anything that's so organic and i felt like even even though this was like okay this is the surrealist thing born of the surrealist circumstances but you know what like there's a reality to it because you've got this Guy who's looking down on this dude because of a fashion choice and he keeps riding him about it and he keeps acting like he's a nobody. So the moment he gets in this nobody's face, he thinks he's not going to do anything about it. And you know what? I think of, like in that moment, I'm thinking of every moment where it's like, somebody did talk trash about my fashion choices or do think my-
0: Or disrespected you.
1: Right. Or think my dreams don't matter or whatever. And it's like, you know what? I'm not going to take that off of you. I might get my ass kicked for it, but screw it. Like- I'm not a punk. That's that's an Atlanta mentality right there. It's like, look, you're going to do what you're going to do, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do right. first. And that resonated. And then when we got into it, it really resonated. I, I, I still remember that day. It was it was like a trip, dude. Like, I show up. The dude rolls up to me. He's like, hey, man, I got to talk to you about your pyro. And I'm like, <laughs> literally my first response was, why? Like, 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 like why, why, why are we even doing this, man? And, but... He, he teaches me about being on the point. So for those of you who, who watched it, and I think it, it, it's like still in the clip, it was supposed to go off the moment that I turned around after pointing at the Tron because that's been kind of my thing. And it didn't go off. But me being me, it's like, okay, I'm used to stuff not going the way it's supposed to. Let's just keep it moving. We're not going to sit down there and wait, right? So when it did go off, that was like a legit reaction. That wasn't like a buff Bagwell cosplay oh. where I was like, ha, ha 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 doing all that. I was like, oh, it really went off. Like, this is this is sweet. So, and then I turn around and I think people see me doing like the shoulder shrug or whatever it is, but it's like, yeah. It was like, like, I guess I got it like that. But um, nah, like it was it was crazy to be in that position, and it was crazy that for that one evening, it was like everybody. Was in one direction and it was like we want to see Pete do it. Mm-hmm. And God, that you can't put a you can't put a price on that. That you like for that kind of a feeling. And it's like it's that kind of storytelling that makes, especially what we do, like the greatest thing in the world. And those are the stories I like to tell. Whether it's like that real belly laugh, or you crying, or you like oh I can't believe that happened, or whatever it is. Anything that could take somebody who's watched this for a million years and they got their star ratings and, well, I think it would have been a five-star if they had just added five minutes. It's like, how do you know? How do you know? Like, that story needed to be told the way that it was told.
0: Exactly the way it needed to be told. You said earlier as we start to wind down that you had a question for
1: me. I do. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, You go through enough stuff and you got, like, a lot of starts and you got a lot of stops. And um, when I came When I came into this business, when I came back from England, um, there was an opportunity that was supposed to be waiting here for me. And it did not happen. It totally did not happen. It was the opposite of happening. And it left me in a really dark place. And if it wasn't for a match that I had with Alex Shelley, shout out to him, one of the greatest, I wouldn't have kept going. I really wanted to quit Mm -hmm. in December. I don't know why, like, you've done what you've done. Because it could have just been one of those cases where you are were saying what you said, and it was a cute thing on commentary and everything like that. But it literally
0: could have stopped at Atlanta, and mm, that would have been fine. This? Yeah, I just it's just. Uh, but once again, you mentioned it we mentioned it earlier talking about going with the flow, and and this is yeah. something I love about being in AW. There's no levels ups downs. You know, put someone in a broom closet. Don't talk to me because you're this guy, that guy. We all respect each other, and like I said, I'm not. Stupid! As soon as I started doing this pineapple beet thing, and people were so oh sugar, so I'm like, because well, at the one point Tony and I were like, the t- Tony Schiavone the two whitest guys in the world trying to figure out how to pronounce Sug <laughs> D, Suj. Oh, God, Suj. man. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to throw something at my TV. I was like, well, no the one dude calling me,
1: the dude calling me, son, like, Tony, like, I, get Chris, I get what Chris is doing, but Tony, but, <laughs>
0: yeah, ah, Tony doing me, and he of way. So, so, but my point being, I look up Sugar Dunk and I see, and like I said, a friend of mine named uh, Starbuck, he was in Japan. Ah, oh, smash. You. They smashed. Oh, so, yeah. okay, so he's done this. Somebody mentioned something from England, so I see that. so Okay, so this guy now has you know, like you mentioned, a sixteen year career. And I respect I first of all, I respect anybody that's ever taken a bump. And even if you when I was talking about some of the enhancement people, even if I'm kind of bearing them to an extent, it's just trying to give them an identity. I never just say like this guy just sees to get the hell out of here. If you put on a pair of tights and take a bump, I respect that. If you've put on a pair of tights, take a bump and went to Japan. I mean, there was a time when I was begging you to go to Japan. England, I've never lived in England and wrestled in England like, like you have. So there's a respect level there. So also on top of that, I'm also a businessman and a storyteller. All anybody is talking about right now involving Chris Jericho for four weeks and I did commentaries, oh, you, should, what a, you should have a match with Pineapple Pete, Pineapple Pete, Pineapple Pete, Pineapple Pete. So that's when I kind of pitched the idea, why don't we do Pineapple Pete? I said, it's the biggest story that Jericho has right now with the exception of stadium stampede right. or blood and guts or whatever we're going to do let's do something fun that's ha- And i said my idea is let's not just make this an, a, a squash match let's make it like the rocky story he gets he gets the the promo we talk about it throughout the night and yeah. of course they didn't we got the promo and my original idea is just ringing the bell i hit him with the move one two three and like, that's not cool either and let's see if we can build a little bit of fire and steam. And I'd seen something that you had done one of your matches where you had some fire and some, like I said, if there's people here, they can get behind you. That's why. It was uh, a cool story that started very organically uh, with a guy who understood what we were doing. Obviously, you had the experience of it, and you had the fire to, to, to make it work. Right. Some guys wouldn't have the fire to make it work. There's guys here tonight that if you put them in there with me or somebody of, 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 of that level wouldn't know what to do. Right. I remember when we talked, I said, beat the shit out of me as, as hard as you can. Blow yourself up. Do what you got to do. When the time is right, I'll get my move and that's it, right. right? That's why.
1: The only reason I just say that is because like, uh, and I know you I know you saying we're coming up on time, so
0: I'm a, like, <laughs> I was
1: joking around with somebody the other day. I got a bit of, I got a bit of beating, beating dog syndrome because I'm just not used to, yeah. um, especially for somebody who totally does not have to. You like, you know, between you, between Tony, between Cody, like any of the decision makers, you know what I'm saying? All of that could have completely been shot down and you totally did something for me that let me know and kind of reaffirmed for me that even if I just got that bit, sure. it's like...
0: Well, and like I said, yeah. we, we've talked more this hour than we had the whole time before that. Right. But and, and listen, like I said, I had respect, and it, but I didn't do it for you. or for. I did it for the show. Right. It was the best... It was the best thing for the show to do this story. And why just throw it away? We had something from nothing. From a a, a stupid shirt in the middle of a pandemic where there's nine people in the crowd and something that made me smile and suddenly people got into it. That's what wrestling is all about. Other wrestling companies would just cut it off at the knees. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm getting No one's going to care. I care. I would want to see this. Right. But let's do it more than just Jericho versus Let's do something with it Right You know And that to me Is what wrestling is all about That's the storytelling of it And I think for the You know The the hour and a half Or whatever it was That we started with your promo And had our match later on I bet you people are going This is going to be something I want to see Right You know We probably know What's going to happen But And also too There's also Every single time you do this You have the match Where it goes Three four minutes And you get the Proverbial One two point nine Pinfall We could have gone that way as well Right This story worked better In my opinion and I think I think we I think it worked.
1: I think we can trust your judgment. I've I've, I've seen your track record. <laughs> seen your track record.
0: But uh, and and here you go another. Thing. Now you're on talk is Jericho. Never had you not worn a pineapple shirt, you would not be on talk is <laughs> <as> Jericho. Dude, <laughs> no, it's it's
1: it's it's just wild. This is this is these are wild times. Like, La-
0: last question for you. What's okay. your? I know you, you mentioned a few of your matches, but what's your favorite match that you've ever had? If you had to pick one or two, something along those lines.
1: Um. It probably be a three-way tie between me and Doug Williams and uh it would be me and Doug Williams in Blackpool Tower. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Um I felt accepted. Um that was cool, especially when you're that far from home. Yeah. Me versus Alex Shelley from Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. That man literally saved any hope that I had for wanting to continue this. And um if if you're listening Alex, I love you, man. You're you're good people, man. You're one of the best and um it's a it, you can find it on youtube it's me and darius lockhart from uh pwx uh we did a english rules two out of three falls match so no punches to the face etc cetera, etc cetera, just straight grappling and um i think it was a case where especially seeing two two wrestlers take it back that way and people not expecting to be able to like and enjoy that but we told a story and I got to do it with one of my favorite people and one of my best friends, uh, in this business. And I think it holds up as strong as anything that I've ever done. Mm. And I think if you're looking for those top three, you want to go that or anything that I've ever done in title wrestling in the UK. That's. We'll do.
0: Hopefully you get a chance to go back to, to the UK soon. Hopefully you get a chance to see you more here. We're working tonight. And, uh, Thanks for the bottle of Grey Goose that came in a fancy <laughs> fancy steel container. The least I could do. <laughs> the least I could do, man. Thank you, my man.
1: For sure.